Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. This is volume 11, issue 540, and today we're going to talk about Shinobi. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, we have Mikhail Croder. Welcome to Bonus Stage. <laughs> nice. And uh, Rich Davison. Hello. And the other video wizard is Ben Cartledge. Welcome back. Hello, my friends. Good evening, Ben. It is the evening for us recording this show. Today we're going to talk, as I say, about Shinobi. I decided to do uh, just the one. Sometimes we do a series all in one go. Sometimes we do just a game, and that's what we're going to do. We are going to touch upon a few other titles as we go, uh, just to cover them off. But this is officially just a one-game podcast. Shinobi is actually a 2D walk and shuriken as opposed to run and gun platformer, although there are some guns in versions. We'll talk about those later. And yeah, it's the first game of 11 in the series or 12. Um, and I would I would certainly, while I haven't locked us in and committed us to future shows, there are some absolute bangers in the Shinobi series that it would be quite fun to play in future. So we may return, um, but nothing's nothing's concrete as yet so for now the 1987 and conversions show of shinobi and let's start with our histories of such a game ben you have video evidence of at least uh, your history with at least one version um but do you also know the arcade machine yeah um not as uh, not as well as i do the um, mm. the mass system and indeed the uh, game gear version as well to be honest okay but um but yeah it's I don't know. I think it was kind of inescapable, really. If you went to arcades around about that period, I think like yeah. um, it um, it lent itself really well to so many different like arcade venues. I like I have played this arcade game in various different leisure centers, chip shops. You know what I mean? Like everywhere, really. Like taxi ranks, like actual arcades, theme parks. You know what I mean? It just seemed uh, it just seemed something that was that was kind of there, kind of this whole time, and uh, I would play it quite a bit was able to get like a couple of levels in on the arcade after playing it for a little bit because i remember they had they had one in the arcade that was on the walk home from school and randomly it was in a row full of 20p machines and it was the only 10p one quite strange there do you remember nice. that yeah it was right at the end yeah so like i would would like play it quite a bit and did quite enjoy it um and then obviously i started having a look at some of the home versions, like I say, I played the uh, my system one quite a lot. When I had it first time, I lent it off a friend of mine, and I got right to the end and uh, couldn't beat the last boss. Um, yeah, and I'm not surprised. Yeah, it was so hard. Um, and the the problem with the uh, the we'll go into the different versions, but the mass system version's got a, a different a different kind of power up system for your kind of uh, handheld weapons. And uh, basically, if you die at any point you lose them all and it takes you a couple of levels to build up to the best like hand-to-hand weapon which is like a big long chain and uh so you get one shot at trying to beat that boss and if you kill him he's basically unbeatable without yeah. that so like I'd, I'd literally get there have one go at him like nearly beat him and then lose all the rest of my lives quite spectacularly um so that was kind of that version really and then obviously i uh, played the game gear one quite a lot which is different like i say and fantastic but with the art the arcade one it's it's always been one of those ones that's kind of it's always been on the list for ages you know and i always think to myself um i could easily do this like i honestly do think i could put the time in but i just i haven't yeah you know what i mean doesn't mean i'm not gonna but i literally i haven't sat down and and i've got a lot of uh, friends through different things in the community you've kind of done it like uh 
um on the on the 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 youtube kind of a uh, live streaming faithful like my friend lemmy did it without dying on a stream a while ago and uh x mosquito has done it loads of times with, with different kind of a uh, crazy stipulations so i've seen like really good players play you know and like i i identify what needs to be done and i i, I reckon i could but yeah it's i don't know i haven't i haven't uh i haven't sat down and taking it to pieces and, and that's okay you're not you, we, we don't only get you here when you can one credit every version of something is fine yeah, yeah. you've already done golden axe and we've done all the ghouls and ghost games so i mean it's quite it's yeah <laughs> running out running out of options yeah very um, much no, so yeah it, it is a tough uh definitely a tough cc the master system version is definitely more uh, uh attainable for most people i would yeah. say um but yes fortunately there are there are other ways to play the game and mikhil how about you shinobi how about me? Um, yeah, Shinobi is one of those uh, games, like Ben already said, like uh, you'd see it everywhere, uh, just ubiquitous um, in uh, the late 80s in arcades. And yeah, uh, yeah I think we'll, we'll get onto that throughout the show, but uh, kind of really capture, captures the zeitgeist for me uh, in a very, uh, yeah, in a very concentrated way. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's a game that I definitely threw credits in uh, over the years. Uh, I, I play it whenever I, I'm in uh, Blast Galaxy, the, the, the local uh, arcade in nor- uh, North Amsterdam. Whenever I see it, uh, I have the uh, Wii Virtual Console Arcade version as well without the uh, Merlin Moreau, Andy, Mar- Merlin Moreau um, Andy yep. Warhol uh, mm-hmm. posters on the wall and with the, the green wall crawlers. Um, play that quite a bit and when i was playing a lot of shinobi on there i think i could make it far into mission three on one credit before i had to start had to start credit feeding you know yeah yeah so um yeah i mean it's one of those games that it's kind of like almost um bigger than just the game itself in that it's just yeah it's sort of captures the uh, arcade spirit of the late 80s for me and uh yeah just you know uh outside of just the quality of the game itself already so in that sense uh, i have a lot of fondness for it cool cool rich i know uh up until i put you in for this show you were way more familiar with the master system version but i think you've uh You've got some history with that one, but n- now you've caught up with the arcade version as well. Yeah, steady on. Like this is uh, very much out of my wheelhouse. Anything to do with with arcades, and, and not to kind of turn <laughs> this into a uh, like a Ken Loach kind of scathing documentary about late eighties politics. But as you can imagine, yeah. growing up in a mining community uh, in the northeast of England in the late eighties, it wasn't exactly common to go around and see a Shinobi cabinet in whatever it was that we've got. I, I'm I'm fairly sure they existed, but it wasn't wasn't something that I was privy to. And, and basically, given that I was born in like 1986, I had very little interest in ninjas up until the mid nineties. I would say outrageous. So um, <laughs> yeah, like when did I come to Shinobi? It would have probably been on the Master System, definitely. But it was already old. Yeah, as it were, when yeah, you early nineties. Yeah. I talk about my kind of. Uh, video games heritage about having like that very American style relationship that you've got with the the NES, albeit like five or six years later, just because that was what my brothers were playing at the time. Yeah. Um, I really had to kind of go back and plumb my knowledge to try and understand what my relationship with Shinobi was like. It's fairly weak. Um, I do remember getting up to the Mandara boss, but there was just no kind of comprehension and no knowledge about how to kind of 
game these types of things to be able to get beyond there. So what memories I do have of Shinobi are only from the Master System, uh, fairly weak, unfortunately. But since then, I have gone back and, and replayed through the, the arcade game. Uh, I did actually online through through like a website, a stream website, which was like a kind of an interesting way to play it because there's absolutely oh, yeah. no way of, of controlling those dip switches. So whatever game no. I played was, for me at least, exceptionally difficult. Uh, Default standards, yeah, yes, indeed, yes. Yeah. Um, and uh, went back and through, played through the Master System a couple of times, yeah. It's a slightly different game, a little bit more kind of opposite. Yeah, we will get into it. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with the northeast of England in the 80s, uh, suggest you go back and watch uh, the first season of uh, Alvida Zayn Pet for a documentary look. It's basically at, a uh, fly on the wall documentary yeah. of Alvida Zayn Pet, yeah. <laughs> or watch Threads, to be honest. <laughs> After they drop the bomb. <laughs> dark uh right shinobi for me uh also uh yes i i am old enough to remember the arcades of the 80s as is well known on this podcast uh i don't remember playing shinobi a huge amount i played it some um but i think i found it quite tough especially beyond uh the first boss probably the first boss as well i'm sure i died on him a few times with his with his orbs of flame um i played a lot of rolling thunder which we'll talk a bit more about but rolling thunder was the game that spawned this game basically uh namco's rolling thunder and then i played a lot more of eswat both the arcade version and the mega drive version which also owe quite a, a, a bit to sega's shinobi so uh but yes i i too had my affection for 80s ninjas from various games on the the home computer systems the ones I had, like Mastertronic's Ninja, and the ones I didn't have, like the amazing The Last Ninja on the Commodore 64. I'm sure you two video wizards, Ben and McKeel, have covered this on, on your show. Um, why, 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 why were ninjas so massive in the, in the mid to late 80s in, in the UK? And not just in the UK, even in the Netherlands they were incredibly right, okay. huge. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was like a combination of... Of, of things, I guess. It was uh, mm. a zeitgeist thing, a lot of things coming together, one thing leading to another. You know, you got them in media, you got them in movies. Yeah. Uh, anyone remembers that series with Lee Van Cleef as some sort of ninja master? The Master, there was a, there was a series Ooh. on TV as well. Mm. Uh, comic books, uh, they started popping up in uh, animated uh, series like uh, G.I. Joe. Uh, yeah, they were just everywhere. And uh, let's not forget, they were also uh, out to get uh, Ronald Reagan, you know? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, since then, obviously, the games appeared on, on various home formats in more recent times. And I've ended up with uh, at least three different versions, completed a couple of them. The one I haven't completed is the one that's on the Sega Astro City Mini console, because that's the one where you can't control the dip switches, mm. uh, <laughs> which which doesn't help. So it's developed by Sega AM1, who were also known as Sega R&D1, who later became known as Sega WoW or WoW Entertainment. Um, the key figure there is uh, key people, sorry, are Riki Nakagawa, Noriyoshi Oba and Kazunori Tsukamoto. Uh, and it was released on or made for the System 16 arcade board, which is the same tech roughly give or take a few chips and bits that uh, ran fantasy zone and quartet and alien syndrome shinobi altered beast and golden axe uh, so quite a a famous set of sega games from the uh, from the era the director of this one was yutaka Su sugano my mistake 
who also worked on uh, next week's podcast game, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Also worked as a producer on a number of Saturn titles like Panzer Dragoon uh, and uh, Sonic 3D. Um, I think he went more into the production side rather than the creative side uh, not too long after working on um, the likes of uh, this. And the composer, we'll talk more about the music later, is Yasuhiro Kawakami. There are about a dozen staff or fewer credited on the finished coin-op, all with pseudonyms, as was the norm back then, to prevent headhunting and staff poaching, uh, including the likes of Suga-chan26, Wagamama Kenchi, <laughs> Toppy, Super Hagar, Fanta Gigi, and so on. Uh, and I think it is mainly known who, who each of them was now, if you go looking. But uh, yeah, people who you will know from those other Sega arcade games of the time. It was released to the arcades 35 years ago, pretty much, November 16th, 1987 in Japan, and a month or two later around the rest of the world. A common problem if you're a collector with Shinobi boards is that the board continues to work fine, but the game no longer has sound. The problem is caused by a dead or dying battery that is embedded inside the custom glob located on the motherboard. The common fix is to replace the custom glob with a Z80 CPU and update the image found in the B boards on the B boards A7 ROM. Is there soldering involved? Uh, it sounds like there might be. Forget that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, it's these aspects that have put me off ever becoming an arcade machine collector um, but it's good to know thanks to yeah. the killer list yeah, very of video good games to know. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually thinking oh, I wouldn't mind a, an actual Shinobi PCB but yeah it's coming with some uh, caveats maybe you can find a refurbished one that would be a get good get your one. soldering iron out yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Master System version which was uh, done by Sega came out in 1988 across the various regions there was an unlicensed nes version which came out in 1989 tengen right a yeah yep. tengen version yeah a licensed version again on the pc engine or turbo graphics in 1989 sort of era ibm pc version in 1989 north america only possibly and that one actually weirdly is more like the 8-bit versions as was sometimes the case with ibm pc games then certainly in europe at least uh the home micros all got versions, Commodore 64, Spectrum, CPC, MSX, Amiga and ST in 1989 by uh, Virgin Games, uh, converted by the sales curve. We'll talk a bit more about those later. And then there was a huge gap of 20 years until the game came out again um, when it arrived on the Wii Virtual Console in 2009. It also arrived around the same period on the Xbox 360 as part of their uh, Xbox Live Arcade Sega, Sega Vintage Collection series. You can still buy that version, even though it came out 13 years ago. It's £3.40 uh, in English money on the Xbox store, and I did that for this show. I'm not sure why I didn't have it already, because I had other versions. But that isn't the only way to play it from that time and on, on, on that generation. You could also unlock it within Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection, or also known as the Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection, for PS3 and 360, all you need to do is complete the first round of the excellent Shinobi 3 Return of the Ninja Master without using a continue. And then you've got the arcade Shinobi, and that version does still have the Andy Warhols in it. There you go. Mm. Yeah. Then there was another big old gap 11 years before the mighty M2 released their Sega Ages version for Switch. 
which uh, may be the best official way to play it right now. And then later that year, the Sega Astro City Mini little arcade cabinet miniature console came out. Uh, It was actually in 2021, the rest of the world. Um, And yes, that version uh, runs well, but uh, yeah, you don't get access to any options in that particular version, which is, uh, yeah, it's like going to the arcades. (laughs) Screw you, says the arcade owner. You're going to play it my way. Uh, Reviews wise, well... Um, I can only really look at the the Sega Ages version, the M2 version, which is, to all intents and purposes, the original coin-op plus a few bells and whistles. And that received 14 reviews back in 2020 and has an average of 75, which isn't bad for a 35-year-old game, I wouldn't have said. Uh, it was generally positively reviewed in, in arcade versions in the magazines that did cover arcade games. The game was well-received by Claire Edgley of CMVG, here in the UK, although her review repeatedly refers to the game as Shenobi with an E. Foreign words. Yeah, well, I I, I don't want to blame Claire herself because it could have been a an assumption by the typesetter, or it could have been uh, she could have been talking about it over the over a crackly eighties phone line. So, <laughs> but mistakes in CMVG of the eighties were commonplace. The Master System version reviewed really well with 87 in CMVG and Mean Machine Sega, 89 in Sega Pro and 5 out of 5 in Sega Power. So in some ways, it's a, a better thought of game than the arcade game that spawned it. The arcade machine has some user reviews on that killer list of video games arcade resource. It has a personal impressions score of 3.38 out of 5 and a technical impressions score of 3.78 out of 5. Uh, and... Nintendo Life has its users rating the Sega Ages version at 7.8 out of 10, which again, as I say, is not bad for a really, really old game. Rolling Thunder, as I say, uh, we haven't yet covered it on this podcast, but I would definitely like to because it's uh, it's an all-time favourite of mine. I possibly, I, I I probably like it even more than I like Shinobi in some ways. Um, same, but, same. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Sega saw Rolling Thunder and went, we can do that. Yeah. And this is a funny thing because, of course, uh, me and Ben have been uh, covering a lot of arcade games on Video Wizards uh, throughout, yeah, more than two years now. Yeah. And um, you get instilled just with how much of a sort of rivalry uh, existed between Namco and Sega throughout the 80s and 90s, where they seemed to be making games all the time that were responses to each other. And uh, this is yet another example of that. Yeah, absolutely. Rolling Thunder itself got a sequel. Or two? I forget. Uh, two th- sequels, yeah. Two sequels. The first one is more famous uh, than the, the second sequel. Hence me not remembering. The yeah, the first sequel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not even sure uh, if that was in the arcades, the third sequel. Might have been a Mega Drive exclusive. I think it was MD only. Yeah. yeah. Genesis and MD. Yeah. Uh, but yes, check it out. Listen, if you don't know it, Rolling Thunder is available on the Arcade Archive series from Hamster on current formats or last gen formats. So... Uh, that's got a, a very different kind of vibe, but fundamentally the gameplay of side-scrolling, walking pace, uh, shooting a limited number of bullets at a time, flipping from one uh, level to another. Yeah, it's it's mo- mostly that high jump and sort of the walking speed. Uh, yeah, and the, the sort of the stature and the sprite size that make it very yeah. reminiscent of of Rolling Thunder, and also groovy music, just like oh Shinobi. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, the ninja scenario is a ninja named Joe Masashi must stop a criminal organization called Zed from kidnapping the children of his ninja clan. Although more on that later. Five missions consist of three stages in the first mission and four stages in each of the rest. Where Masashi approaches Zed's headquarters and frees all the hostages in the first two or three stages with a boss in the final stage of each mission. At the start of each mission, the player is shown the objective with a file containing a photograph of the enemy boss and a map display pinpointing the location of the next stage. Yeah, well, let's talk about that presentation. It kind of, it, I, I really like it. It's cool, uh, the sort of getting the, you know, the mission and the lie of the land. But doesn't somehow, is that ninjury? I don't know. It's not more like secret agent, secret what, agent. Admin? Yeah. <laughs> admin. Classic bit of ninja admin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now it feels more like you're uh, like on a military mission or something, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Special forces. And that's kind Curious. of how uh, Joe Musashi carries himself as well. I mean, he's carrying well, this a, is an it. Uzi when he's powered up. Yeah. Ninjas famously a... infiltrating in broad daylight as well, you know, yeah. as, as yeah. they all want to do. Mask yeah. off. Yeah. All that in the this open. This is not a stealth game, really, uh, in any meaningful sense. Stealth games weren't that popular at this point in, in the way that they became. But that said, we were already some years after the original Castle Wolfenstein, which had strong stealth elements and other games like that. So this was, but yes, this is this is a run and gun or walk and slice arcade machine, ultimately. Shinobi, what does it mean? Well, in Japanese, it means stealing brackets into, so spy or sneak thief or a surreptitious visit to a house of ill repute. Yeah. Now, I don't know, do they mean that as in a, a brothel or a house full of villains I, I assume i think a brothel oh, okay i'm shinobiing off to see the madam exactly yeah. you don't you don't want to be too uh open about that you know especially if uh, you have a if you have a partner yeah and the chinese character displayed on the title screen and throughout the game is the character for shinobi in japanese yeah so the word shinobi is often used synonymously with uh, ninja with the word ninja Mm. And the description or the definition of shinobi actually aligns more with what with sort of what the ninjas would have likely been like in uh, in mm. old times. Not work, uh, you know, yeah, not flipping like around walls yeah. in in cows and everything, but more yeah, spies that are in disguise and everything. Like, yeah. As opposed to the uh, popular culture ninja, which is in, immediately identifiable as a ninja because he wears his ninja costume, you know. Yeah. 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 And there are some fantasy elements to this scenario as well, although most of it's fairly grounded and down to earth. There are enemy ninjas and sort of enemy soldier looking guys and things like that. But there's also ninjutsu magic mm. and some some slightly wackier looking characters that phase in and out of existence. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah. So a slight supernatural element to it. The, th the funny thing also is that a lot of people call the main character of Shinobi Shinobi. Like that's yeah. his name. But like yeah. Metroid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. and I've, I've fallen into that trap myself on this very podcast. It's easily done. <laughs> yeah. Joe, Joe could be Shinobi. Yeah. I bet there were loads of reviews in the magazines back in the day that called him Shinobi. Yeah. <laughs> Bound to be. Tolkien Taters from our forum says, I checked this out for the pod on Xbox thinking I'd enjoy it, especially after loving the Streets of Rage series. However, that didn't end up happening. I think the game is just a little too simplistic for me to get much out of it. I didn't really get into gaming until the eighth generation of consoles, so I had no familiarity with this series. And coming to it fresh, there wasn't a lot that drew me in. 
It may have been down to expectations. The older console and arcade games I enjoyed, like X-Men, Streets of Rage 2 and Alien Soldier, came out in the 90s with better hardware to work with. I recognise that this game may have been good or great for the time, but coming to it now, not much about it stands up. I think that's very interesting. Um, yeah, of course, you can't, I, I can't say what it would be like to get to it for the first time. Um, yeah. But I think um, if you are invested in playing this game well, then the complexities start revealing themselves, um, especially in the encounter design. And yeah. um, I think yeah, if you're just, you know, you're, bash your head against it and you credit feed through it uh just to see the stages and, and try to get to the ending yeah it will feel simplistic but if you if you really um try to yeah use your lives and your credits as precious resources indeed uh, you have yes. to really put your mind to a lot of like combat situations like oh how I, how do i get through this uh without uh, without losing a life you know yeah yeah it's quite puzzly in some ways yeah uh, very much so learning and executing which i know is the thing that ben really enjoys about games of this era yeah yeah there's loads of like uh oh, there's just loads of really clever bits with this like um like specifically with like the jumps across different like platform levels and and uh yeah. like a lot of uh time and stuff forgot i mean i've seen runs where people like i've seen a couple of them um, uh like pacifist style runs where people can do yes. most of the levels without killing anybody you know what i mean yeah. and, like and that, the funny thing Insane. is that, yeah that's well, that's ironically a, a more kind of truer, yep. do you know what I mean? Like stylistic match to a, to what you'd actually think of of a, somebody who wasn't, do you know what I mean? Going around shooting people in the middle of the day, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like it's there's there's there is a lot. It, it that's arcade games of this era, though, you know, like it really is. Like you you don't, and the funny thing with them is, is you don't when you play them a lot and break them down to try and put a clear together, you don't realize how many bits like that you pick up. Yeah. yeah, like how many become... moving parts there are. Yeah, yeah exactly. They just yeah. become the things you do to beat the levels. Yeah, and then like next thing you know, when you're trying to explain it to somebody, you're like, "Well, yeah, I can draw this." Like it's it's little things, you know what I mean? It's like I was um I was playing Castlevania the other day, and like uh, there's a bit where uh, if you draw like the birds on, if you scroll back like about four frames, then scroll on <laughs> again, like they'll disappear completely. But you've got to wait for them to actually move. If you just do it while they're not thinking, they're not engaged, so it doesn't count. But you can literally frame them on for like two or three, so the so the, the the wing flaps, and then walk off and then walk back. It takes like a second, but then they just completely they don't they disappear. You know what I mean? And it's like I did it a couple of times on a stream. Someone's like, "What's that?" And I was like, "Oh, it's just a thing." And then I thought, "When did I figure that out?" Like <laughs> yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't like, I don't actively remember sitting and going, "Okay, well, what happens if we do this, this, and this?" And games like like this from this era are very full of of bits and pieces like that and that's the mm. other thing that makes me think that i could uh i don't know I, it'd be really good if like i yeah. say if I, i've sat down for a, a couple of weeks to try and get a good clear on this and even yeah. without getting that granular with it i think one thing that stands out about shinobi uh that it really adds to let's say the rolling thunder formula is these uh, these rescue uh that th those rescue objectives per permission you know so mm. you can't finish a stage unless you found <laughs> and touched all the kids and i don't mean to say that in any sort of uh, <laughs> iffy way of course um but but the the thing is like these are like pocketed encounters you know those rescue attempts in many cases where there are certain enemies that guard them you often have the mongolian dude with the big dao or the big uh, sword there and the shield that throws a sword around 
and then mm. there's other traps like uh, ninjas that will spawn at certain uh, positions when you when you approach them um and yeah it's often like these sort of pocket uh encounters that have very puzzle like elements and yeah that that really require a lot of uh like what we were talking about earlier like brain power uh and and uh re- yeah it's trying to to figure out like okay how do i approach this particular situation speaking of touching kids another game that this <laughs> definitely had an influence on was their uh, their own moonwalker <laughs> <laughs> i knew you were going there <laughs> yeah yeah. It's true though. Uh, I, I know the arcade game of Moonwalker was a sort of isometric yeah, thing, yeah, but, yeah. The, but the Mega Drive version they went for a side scroller, didn't they? Which is very Shinobi yeah. influenced, including the the child rescuing element of yeah, it. Yeah, remi- that game is very reminiscent of Revenge of Shinobi, actually, right? Like, uh, yeah, probably yeah. a lot of the same Next people gen. that worked on that. Yeah, yeah. Talking about the rescuing of the children, Rich, you pointed out to me that uh, they've had a sort of um, a retcon as regards to this. So in the original mm-hmm. manual uh, on the Master System European version, I guess, it says the Ring of Five, who are the Zed, I guess, have kidnapped the children of the world's leaders and are holding them hostage in different locations around the world. Each is guarded by karate thugs, deadly mercenaries and the meanest martial artists in the world. But they've been sort of retconned as like ninja cubs or something more recently. Yeah, interesting to note that all of the the, the world leaders' children are all white and milky bar kid esque. Um, yeah, yeah, little moppets, little blonde moppets. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a little devious political uh, assertion that you've got going on, Sega. But now they're ninja cubs, ninja junior ninjas, um, or something like that. So curious let's go back and talk about the the visuals so yes this is a 1987 game on uh, arcade hardware which at the time was was pretty powerful certainly yeah. um was more colorful than anything you'd see on a, on a home system um larger sprites and things like that but um but i can understand that someone coming to this game now would certainly find the animation quite limited and things like that but but i still think the game is pretty attractive and um it's you know it's incredibly clear and vibrant and it's got an atmosphere to it yeah i think technically it was just about on par for the time you know nothing too mm-hmm. mind blowing yeah. um but one thing that always stuck out to me when i was walking through those arcade halls and then came across the shinobi machine was those those bonus stages uh right yes with the, yes. the ninjas uh yeah. jumping around and then the one that pops up in your face oh the, it's still the, scary the, he's huge yeah He's huge, and the graphical detail on it, and that really is the one thing graphically that I found impressive about Shinobi. And the title screen, I guess, was was quite alluring with the ninja eyes exactly. looking out of the mask. Yeah, but then if you look at, let's say, just the the uh, art design in the game, um, I never found it that cool looking. You know, like it evokes like the the martial art movie ninja theme, mm. but it doesn't quite nail it in some way. If you look at it really critical. It's very uh, bright and, it's and garish. It's not, it's not bright noirish and garish. or anything I like think that. the environments are uh, a, li- a little bit off looking often. Like they, they don't really feel like real world environments, even though they no. try to approach it. And like mm. just the, the, let's say the, the background uh, patterns and everything. It's, it's all a little bit weird, you know, a little bit off looking, weird proportions to, to uh, environmental objects and that sort of thing. And sprites. Some of the and sprites, sprites are a bit goofy looking. Yeah. The spri- a lot of the sprites are goofy looking. Um, and that's one thing also why 
I, yeah, I think Rolling Thunder just art design wise uh, walks all over Shinobi pretty much. That's very cool. Uh, yeah, very cool art style and um, yeah, yeah. yeah, very with consistent. those those hallways with the ventilators and the yeah. the, the the spooky looking goons with the uh, with the cows yeah. over their heads and everything. Yeah. yeah. But for all that, I think it does have character and personality. Maybe for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's um, just if you're trying to look at it objectively, I don't think yeah. it's a very great uh, realization of yeah. You know, perhaps, of an art style. perhaps I guess um, was it uh, Tecmo next the following year did Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. Um, or Shadow Warrior, and that that probably has a has a better stab at evoking yeah, a kind of urban so. modern ninja setting. Yeah, we we did cover that one on Video Wizards. Uh, yeah. And I don't think it's as good as a game as Shinobi is, but it no. definitely looks more it looks uh, more accomplished that way. Yeah. How do you feel, Ben? Uh, and and feel free to bring in the the eight bit versions as well in terms of the visuals because they they obviously had to compromise, but I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah, like the um, yeah, both the eight bit versions hold up really well. I think, like, uh, I'll I level with you. Like, the Game Gear version might be my favorite Game Gear game. To be honest with mm. you, like, it's incredible, yeah. just because it's so clever. You know, like it's such it's such like a uh, I don't know. It's 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 a a very different approach. You know what I mean? You get to and it's nice when and Sega were really good at doing this. You know, when when I asked, I have said this quite a few times, but Sega were really good at doing this where they're not just going to make a, a rubbish version of a, do you know what I mean, a game. They're not going to bring, so like if you play the Master System version of most games that either came out on the Mega Drive or were big in the arcades, they didn't just say, well, let's just make a toned-down version. They tried to yeah. add kind of different elements, you know, whatever yes. whatever they kind of could do like uh, yeah. to make these things. Uh, Similarly, how to, to how Konami adapted their coin-ups for the Famicom and NES in the way they would take Contra and turn it into a more kind of, yeah, home home friendly yeah. game with with perhaps and maybe more capcom more is even uh, a more extreme example where they took arcade properties and basically turned them onto very into very different yeah, games true. Arcade, like bionic commando you know yeah yeah exactly yeah, it made they, sense they stick like shops in you know what i mean or stick like adventure game elements in or, or yeah, whatever yeah. like the, like we the game year one's really clever because you get to actually play different characters and they've all got different abilities so like that's that's kind of really good uh, and the visuals on that are cool um but overall like i think it's very um, I don't know. It's very of a time in it, really. Like it's it, it, it. There's no way you could place it at being anywhere else. And I don't just mean with the graphical kind of fidelity, like the overall kind of style of it. I think yeah. it sits it in a, a very unique kind of period. But I don't know. Like I'm, I do kind of quite like the way it looks. I think yeah. just because it looks so, uh, so eighties and arcadey, and I like yeah. both of those things a lot. Yeah. You know, <laughs> extremely well, that, vivid. Yeah. yeah, very. That's it. I mean. When I'm playing this, you know, I, I'm not thinking it's the clandestine activities of a Japanese assassin. It looks more like no somebody's kind of bolted out of the Aztec zone in the crystal maze and has just gone off to find the world leader's children. It's very <laughs> difficult to take it seriously and see it as, as almost like a ninja game beyond some of the actual mechanics that's going on there. And um, the yeah. the choice of color just kind of makes it feel very odd, like the, the grays in the main character, the, the fact that your character's got... You know, Mikhil's like alluded to it earlier on the call. They've just given him a face and a, a kind of personality, and, and obviously made him like a like a Western person. It's just a strange kind of choice. At that point, it was exciting to see to for us as people who've grown up from you know Space Invaders and Asteroids to have characters that big with with recognizable human features. Yeah, the the famous example of Miyamoto. You know, saying why does Mario have a moustache? Well, so his nose was separate from his 
the rest of his face basically um that was the sort of the limit the limits that we were dealing with so even though you actually you look at musashi's face and it's only a few pixels but but you could see it was meant to be a human the enemies were meant to be you know proper sprites so we were only yeah a few years into that kind of level of quotes realism at this point so uh so yeah it was still it, it looked like a it was a big bold brash looking game for sure and i think i guess that's what that particular set of hardware was designed for really um thinking about the other games on the system like altered beast which again you know obviously the gameplay was often often much maligned for for good reason but the 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 size of the characters and the the level of fantasy art on display and then obviously with golden axe they managed to marry that sort of level of graphical fidelity with a game that was uh that has lasted the ages um and shinobi yeah kind of comes in that that era uh and i think the audio plays a big part in in this game being so likable as well certainly i think my even from the arcades where the music wasn't always that audible because of all the the cacophony going off around i remember really picking up on the the highs and lows of the sound yeah, like a re- yeah, yeah. really crispy um noises to the the jumping and the sh- and the shuriken really pleasing noises which still i find really satisfying to this day the, the just the sound of the clipping an enemy with a shuriken and the slump as they hit the ground just uh it feel it it, it makes it feel good yeah and like you say also uh, even the music came across to me very clearly in uh, in the busy arcades you know there i think there are some yeah they use some very uh, crystal clear instrumentation in there in the in the three or four main tracks that uh, keep rotating throughout the game um and and a lot of these tunes really stuck with me long after i had l- i had left an arcade and had played it you know yeah yeah I'm especially a fan of uh, every third stage in uh, in a mission that uh, funky funky ass baseline that seems uh, very uh, much strongly inspired by uh, everything she wants by Wham. Indeed, we were talking about this earlier today on the on the Slack channel. Um, my favorite right. tune in the game, Rich's favorite tune in the game, and yeah, he he's exactly right. Uh, everything she wants is clearly an inspiration, and we were yeah. sort of that that got us talking on that. That's you could do a sick, sick mashup if you're uh, if you if you got mixing and DJ yeah, skills. Yeah. I think yeah. absolutely, and it was it was pretty common at this point. So that so the Wham hit was three years earlier. The game was probably coded a year before it came out, or the music, you know, best yep. part of. So it's it's contemporary to the to the time. Um, still an absolute banger, and um, and yeah, actually the, the there are only a, a relatively small number of tunes in the game, and they each loop within about thirty seconds. Yeah, but. But for all that, I love the fact that it's this like you're you're being this kick-ass ninja, but it's like this kind of laid-back jazzy pop soundtrack for the most part. The sequels, <laughs> yeah. uh, particularly on you know Yuzo Koshiro's music for the for the Mega Drive game, is absolutely you know like proper badass stealthy funk ninja. But this is yeah. more like kind of hey, yeah, I'm just having a coffee and killing some ninjas maybe having a bop you definitely on the get way. the feeling that the, yeah. the music came before the game maybe and he just pulled that one out of the bag and uh, was happy <laughs> to put that in maybe but it was it was common back in those days to have these massively incongruous juxtapositions of yeah. jazz funk to to crazy <laughs> crazy badass and think of all too. the think of all the cheapo like action flicks of the 80s as well like they would often would have like uh true like a lot almost of, like, porny music contemporary music in there yeah you know? yeah yeah any other fans of the sound or music? 
or not. Yeah, it's, I, I'm a, I think it's decent, to be honest. Like, I think uh, there's a few songs on there that are uh, quite uh, iconic in it. If you're putting together a, like, arcade the greatest hits playlist of, like, the 80s, you know what I mean? There's probably a couple of these that you'd stick on because they're just Yeah, so this is up here. Yeah, they're just recognizable, you know? Like, uh, and, like, it is hard, isn't it? It is, like, I don't know, like, yeah, like, kind of strange dinnertime TV, do you know what I mean? Jazz fusion. Um, <laughs> yeah. Gubbins. It's but... the end of level one. It's just so like chilled out. The do 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 do. Yeah, it's like it's like a sitcom. It's a bit, uh, I don't know. Like the segue. whole the whole thing like, is, is it's a bit CFAX for me. Like it. it, it yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. Do you know what I mean? Pages I ex- from CFAX. I expect to come in hammered at three a.m. and see that over the top of Job Finder. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just it does it has got that that kind of uh, that haunting, you're after Hitman and her yeah that, yeah that haunting job finder quality about it but yeah it's, it's like but it's like it's catchy for that you know what I mean so like I do, I do it still to this day like every especially the last couple of days because I've been playing quite a bit more of this I found myself kind of uh, humming this uh, various songs from this uh, yeah they'll get in your head how about yeah. the how about the uh, the 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 master system interpretations. Yeah, good to be honest. They're they're like they always they, I don't know, like they always were really. Like I always think that they tried to nearly always get the same people involved wherever possible, didn't they? Like like coding yeah, the sound in house. Yeah, so that, so it's not like they were trying to get it completely from scratch. Like I think ninety nine percent of the time when you play, uh, you you know what you're getting with with uh, soundtrack stuff on the on the mass system. But I think like that that this is a good example of. Uh, a soundtrack done well you know what i mean it's kind of quite faithful you you don't listen to it and think that that's com- do you know what i mean you can't originally recognize the source you know like it doesn't sound completely yeah. completely different it just sounds like a a more kind of lo-fi version of the actual arcade like soundtrack which is exactly what it is trying to be and exactly what it should be yeah any of these songs still in your head from when you were a kid Rich? yeah 100 percent. i mean i can only really agree that it is like a faithful interpretation what i like though is um kind of messing about with the the channels on the the master system version so obviously you know mm. when you take a hit for example it'll just sort of pause one track for a few seconds and you can kind of see yeah. the layers building up and it, it's nice to see that they're kind of using like two-part harmonies in places and, and getting some really interesting things out of the out of that i think the, the other thing is I don't know if this is just me, but the master system feels like it evokes more of a sense of like East Asian kind of music. You've yeah. got that pentatonic yeah, that scale coming on there just because it's a little bit more kind of like uh, shrill in the way that the sound comes out. So I, I do mm. actually prefer the, the master system version of the soundtrack than the, the arcade version. for ah. sure. Nice. Let's talk about controlling Joe. Uh, loco- locomotion in this game I think this is an, an area where if you were coming to this game off the back of playing modern character action games whether it was Neo or even something like uh, something with a completely different kind of character but I don't know what's a modern 2D game with a very very kind of super fast live athletic character um, there's a lot of them about these days you know the Meat Boy type of control where you've got these extraordinarily agile kind of um avatars whereas in this game you might come to it thinking yeah i'm gonna be a ninja and actually this guy is pretty pedestrian and deliberate but what i will say is compared to some other games of the time you can move in the air a little bit um unless you're doing the level jump um and he's 
incredibly kind of responsive to inputs. I think um, you got four, you can have up to four shuriken on the screen at one time, which feels like rapid fire within the context of this game because the number of enemies on screen are generally quite limited. Um, so I would say, uh, yeah, probably stiff by modern standards, but still works perfectly well for the for the the game that was he was put I in. I think that's fairly kind of scathing, really. What I would say is is necessary. You know, the fact that there's no animation in 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 a duck or a, a kick, for example, is absolutely fundamental because it gets very busy at certain points of the game. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, he's, as I say, very responsive in that respect. There's none of the sort of the mistakes that some developers would make around having yeah enormous response times between pressing something and something happening. I mean, earlier this year, uh, we covered a somewhat similar arcade game, uh, namely Haunted Castle. And yeah, it's, right. It's night and day between those two games, just how responsive Joe Musashi is and how immediate his moves are. And, uh, you know, you don't have the hitbox issues with him either. Uh, so in that sense, he does you he does what you want him to do in the in the context of uh, what's going on on screen, you know. Um, and so much so that uh, whenever I play it on an arcade cabinet these days still, and, you know, these are often worn down uh, 80s cabinets, uh, old Lucky machines. Sticks floppy sticks and the, <laughs> the, the the buttons aren't as responsive as they should be you immediately notice it because you die yeah. a lot more and you know you you have to have that one-on-one one-on-one uh responsiveness in this game because yeah it, it comes down to uh to to let's say sometimes like frame perfect uh, responses and reactions yeah that's another reason why the the astro city mini version is probably slightly more challenging than say the sega ages version because the Sega mm. Ages version is uh, is recoded to be hyper responsive, whereas the Astro City Mini version has uh, sort of emulation latency. Yeah, um, yeah. Just um, you know, before we move on from locomotion, I wonder if any of the panel have found any use for the kind of crawl duck walk, because uh, <laughs> I found it absolutely useless. I've got oh. to say, I use it to sneak up to um, the big guys to chop them. Oh yeah, cool. Because they throw their uh, throw their swords around, of course. Yeah, yeah. Normally above you, but not always. I mean, it's like painfully <laughs> slow. I mean, for me personally, yeah, I guess so. You know, when you're doing the crawl walk and then you get to kick them in the penis or whatever it is. Yeah, are you ninja like? Yeah, you can you can inch you can inch forward at least. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, d- I um, don't aim. There's, yeah, there isn't too many uses for it to be honest. Even on bosses. I don't no. Think, like I think if you're in if you're in spots where you need to do that, you're probably just about to die, realistically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The key skill with bosses, which is demonstrated early on and throughout the sequels as well, is always the firing as you're dropping shot. So the, the, the this game is is it's quite unusual in this regard, but it's it, the the series really leans into it. So it's the you jump up and then as you're dropping you release a shuriken, which then hopefully flies into the eye slot of the the enemy that you're facing and that's a kind of kind of key core skill of of the the shinobi master which sort of brings us on to the combat uh in general now there's a lot of i suppose uh you might even call them popcorn enemies sort of one hit guys who kind of rush at you but but not dissimilar to the ninja warriors although the pacing is different um but there are some multiple hitters and one really interesting thing that 
we noticed Rich and I have been playing some co-op Neo recently, which is obviously a, a, a modern uh, kind of Asian, Eastern Asian martial arts kind of sort of game with fantasy elements and, and other things. But we noticed that there's one real mechanical similarity between this ancient arcade game and this really quite modern character action game, which is that the big guys, if you take out the big guys, they don't respawn when you lose a life. And that's very, that's exactly the same as Neo. If you fight one of the mm. uh, the, the gas cloud on Neo. I think it might actually be tied to like capturing or retrieving the, the child as opposed to killing the big yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, the that's point it. that I made on like when we right. were having that conversation is it feels like a very mercantile thing to do, like a very mechanically um, way to just try and invite the player back into the game. You know, if you get rid of that enemy that's usually put into a pretty like compromising position or something, it's going to be a bit of a barrier. You don't have to come back to that. So you're constantly making progress and it's like abated somewhat because of the, the fact that you've got rid of one of those guys, the, uh, the Mongolian looking fella. Yeah. Well, that was one thing I was going to ask you. Master System players about so one of the key differences here of course the original arcade game is one hit kills uh, you have a limited number of lives you can earn extras at points but um crucially generally... also um the uh, you know just touching an enemy won't kill yeah. you you actually have to be attacked by an enemy you that's have to get right hit by an attack of them similar to in in rolling thunder indeed you can bounce back off them although in rolling thunder yeah. you lose half a half a health, whereas in this it's either you yeah, die or you yeah, don't, which I guess right. mechanically doesn't make that much difference. Um, but things, certain enemies, like the kind of the very ninjury enemies, have a lot of kind of hit boxes on their spiky selves that will more likely kill you than not. Yeah, than bounce better stay them. away from them. Yeah. yeah, you can bounce off some of them. But I think, interestingly, one of the one of the key differences between the home versions and the arcade versions is that in the Master System version, you have a health bar, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can get power ups to get more health. Yeah, like uh, that's the other thing. Like as you as you rescue the uh, as you rescue the kids in that version, you kind of get a uh, different power up. So um, you get kind of uh, your main weapon power up, and then you get like um, uh, your sub weapon power up, which is obviously your kind of hand to hand weapon, which yeah. goes from like hand to hand to being a sword to being something else. To be, I remember yeah. the top one's like a big chain weapon. Yeah, there's basically. a nunchuck in the middle. Oh wow. Nunchuck, yeah, and then a chain whip, yeah. The chain whip's really long range as well. Castlevania-esque. Um, yeah, it is, yeah. Um, oh. So the, there's a lot more kind of... And that goes back to what we said, right? About the fact yeah. that if you're going to produce an 8-bit version, chuck a few things in that are a bit different. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Sure. Just to keep people... And there's obviously there's different... Um, you get uh, uh, magic from doing the bonus rounds. And there's, yes. lo there's loads of different ones. Um, and the whole... The funny thing with it... If you speak to anybody who's played the Mass System version, right, they'll speak to you mm. about one part 99% of the time. They'll speak to you about the <laughs> jump, right? Oh, okay. And uh, the jump is a, a part right near the end of the game. I think it's, I don't know if it's on the the, the third or maybe the, it might be the fourth uh, stage, actually, um, where there is a, a jump that is as close to pixel perfect as you're going <sighs> to get realistically. Like, awesome. literally, it's, it's so so difficult like it's 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 hard to describe how tough it is um but the level before that or the or the couple of thingies before that if you do a perfect bonus round you get yes. magic that lets you levitate oh man. so you can levitate yeah. over the jump 
But right. in the, I never do the bonus rounds uh, in any Shinobi because I just really don't enjoy them. So um, I just kind <laughs> of, I just stop and get a brew or something, you know what I mean, and let them finish. Uh, okay. Because yeah. I was watching your old video and you were attempting them, but you were getting frustrated. Yeah, I just, uh, I remember on that one I did a couple, but then when I came back yeah. to play it, like it's, I don't know, I just they get really hard on the arcade yeah, version. Yeah, I just, I just, they just feel like a bit of a waste of time. But, yeah, um, I mean, it's it's only points on the arcade version. Yeah, exactly. It's actually it's actually yeah. worth. It, so if you score attacking, it's worth doing. Um, if you get a perfect, but on the Master System version, you're actually kind of trying to get yourself a boon for yeah, the next level. Uh, yeah, the, you get different. You get different types of magic. So I hadn't done the level beforehand um, magic to get the levitation magic. So on the clear that I put up, like I had to do the jump. Um, yeah. and I kind of right. did that and it was, it was tough like I, I had a, <laughs> I had that was maybe the I didn't take that many takes to do it but I did that was maybe the fifth take in a row where I'd done yeah. four deaths on the jump in a row do you know really? what I mean I'd got that's, kind of, yeah that is, that's like 20 minutes as well yeah it is but I mean like you say you just, <laughs> you just the do you remember out. this jump Rich is this ringing yeah I about? think it's if I if it's the one I'm thinking about, there's like a almost like a pit is like a sort of yeah, that's it. and there's two blue ninjas in there, so you've got to kind of back out oh, and get rid okay, of those yeah. things and then do it. I mean, I know the arcade version of yeah, it, but it's, it's rough. I don't think it's quite as bad. It's, in the it's up version. it's up a level as well. That's the other thing. So it's like it's a right. it's a long jump, and you have to land on a higher kind of platform level. Not higher as in you have to do the other jump, but it's just like do you know what I mean? It's you've got to ta- like there is one arc of that jump that you land and land perfectly like mm. any other thing results in instant death <laughs> like and that's the there's no way like anything other than the perfect jump and you'll fall down the pit and if you and it's right at the end of the game so if you fall down the pit you lose all your power-ups yep um and and also i said about you lose your weapon power up and you yeah. use your sub weapon power up what you also lose is your extended energy bar as well yeah right so okay. like uh it's it, it, funny Hush. like yeah well, well with that with that uh, and it's strange for a game like this to have this kind of quality, but in that respect, it does have an almost like eighty shoot 'em up kind of quality mm, of the fact yeah. that in a lot of respects, it's probably easier to no death this yeah, than it is to one credit. Here. Yeah, mm. do you know what I mean? My run's no death, and I think every time yeah, since I came back sense. to it that I've beaten it, it's been no death. You know what I mean? Because it's just yeah. uh, like trying to do. Mm. Uh, trying to die purposely die at the end of every level, you know what I mean, and try and start the level again with the uh, reduced set of power ups would be yeah would be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Just before we move on from the uh, the bonus stage, I'm I'm almost certain, right, and I'd, I'd have to go and check this. That there's a sprite limit on how many shuriken you can throw, which makes that like exceptionally yeah, yeah. difficult on the master system. It's yeah. uncompromised and really, you know, I look at the, the arcade and you see just a shower of shuriken going across and you're like, it's pretty rapid fire. Yeah. yeah. I've never counted it, but it's uh yeah, but I think, I think it, it compensates slightly by throwing more enemies at you, but, um, but yeah, that's going to be less frustrating um, just because you feel like um, you can you can get them all, but I, yes, there were. I got up to. I, I've managed to perfect at least the first two. I think bonus stages. But oh. I think the the third one and beyond, uh, it gets really hard. There's I there's never always managed one to do s- any of them. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I feel better about myself now. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it took me it took me a lot of goes, and it's certainly not an every time job. But uh, but the first two I can I have done. I think it's the third one where there's always this one sneaky guy who comes on the right yeah. and doesn't 
leave any pause before he does his exactly that's the, the thing like yeah. the ones in the back you can usually get if you just stick around and throw in a straight line but then you know the the, the ones on the the front front layer this, let's say the second layer some of them just appear right from the yeah. side and then immediately jump on the screen and there's there's almost no way to get them i feel there's no random element so you can learn them i think but even then you've still got to execute yeah that's i understand yeah in I fact that so. That goes for, that goes for the game as a whole. Like I think there's only there's a few little spots where there are infinitely respawning goons, but most of the time, most of the enemies are pre-ordained and scripted, so you know exactly what's coming at any particular time. So, so each each area is is learnable and repeatable. I'm really good at forgetting what I've just died to and doing exactly the same thing over and over again, um, <laughs> which is painful sometimes am i right in thinking on the master system version you don't have to rescue all the hostages yeah that's correct did, so did i read that somewhere so the, okay. the hostages kind of dictate like what power-ups you get so it's like an extended life yeah. bar refilly health uh they actually ah. activate the bonus stages so you're not guaranteed to get that's them. really cool um and it, you know say to say that you can avoid them it's actually less work to to get them than it is to kind of yeah, avoid sure. them as the reality you know yeah it's possible to it's possible sometimes to miss one on 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 your route through the arcade level and what I didn't realize is so I'd always assumed for whatever reason probably just because of the way it works that you collect one after the other and generally in the same order I always assumed it was like something like Jackal or I'm trying to think of another example one of those games where you collect hostages and you get powered up because of it and each one kind of powers you up a bit more but actually it, it it turns out that one of the hostage kids or cubs in each level is the one that gives you the power up uh, in the arcade game of Shinobi. And then you've got, you get that uh, power up, which I, I guess it's supposed to, I always, I, it doesn't really seem like it's a gun in the arcade version. It's just like, feels like a, I don't know. What do you think it is, Mikhail? Is it a gun? It doesn't make a gun noise. It just, it makes the same noise as a shuriken, but does twice as much damage. Yeah, it kind of looks like an Uzi though, but it doesn't sound like. Does one. it? Yeah. Okay, I've never really looked at the. Yeah. But he, he he clutches it very close to his, uh, to his chest. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Get, get that on your sternum, you know, the best way exactly. to fire yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, right it, on the solar hi- plexus. <laughs> it's hyper useful because it takes out even the the nastier enemies in one hit, and it has a sort of area effect when it hits yeah, yeah. as well. So it often clips kind of enemies as they're walking into that area. It's uh, it's well worth holding on to. And, and does it? The the fire speed is quicker. Is that correct? Hmm. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe slightly. I hadn't really. So, so this is really important, I think, for the master system version because, um, like, and you know, somebody come in, correct me, but we'll come on to bosses later. But the the Mandara boss, I'm almost certain, is impossible to do with the base shuriken. I spent about forty five minutes just workshopping ah. that that particular boss, trying all sort of different combinations of um firing in between frames jumping up and firing and just trying to get around it and it yeah just wasn't going to happen now unless yeah, i've missed tough. something unless i've missed something you only get the base shuriken for every boss fight in the arcade version i think you're right yeah is that, yeah i think that yeah pro- the arcade the arcade though uh, there's a really uh i'd say easy but there's a really kind <laughs> of a specific way of beating the mandara boss in the arcade and it's based around the fact that um the statues themselves don't actually kill you. They just knock yeah. you back. Yes. So obviously the way to do it in the arcade is to, you blow up a certain number and then uh, you get it so um, the next two only need one shuriken each. 
Yeah. You kind of jump and throw one and then throw one again as you jump forward. And what happens then is the next two statues land kind of behind you and you get bumped back and forward repeatedly. The yeah. screen scrolls Ooh. forward and then you scroll and then you yeah. basically go through all the statues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It oh, wow. Front. I haven't done they, that. They knock you to the other side. I've, I've seen that <laughs> also uh, in a clear today where uh, the person used uh, the ninjutsu as well like and threw himself in the middle of the statue yeah. and uh, got yeah. knocked to the other side. Got knocked, yeah. yeah. So the, the, I think there's a few st- strategies that involve like you say, like a knock through like that, taking advantage of the fact that on that level, the only two things that kill you are the fireballs from the boss that yeah. you've got to get through to get hit by anyway, and that yeah. electric wall on the other yeah. side. Yeah. That is a definite get off the machine moment, though, that, that statue situation. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't know what's coming, you, you're absolutely done. Yeah. <laughs> Ninjutsu or ninja magic. Um, I don't think it makes any difference which one it is. You get You get given one use of magic in the arcade machine per level. It's either sort of wind based, lightning based, or clones. Or clones, yeah. Ninja clones. Yeah. I don't think it makes any difference. I think they're just, it's just. It's a smart bomb with different effects, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it does um, two or three hit points of damage to every boss, I think, um, and basically clears the screen of any regular enemy. Um, So, again, mechanically, uh, you know, it can be worth saving for particular moments. There are some, there's normally, I would say, one screen, as in, I mean, it's a scrolling game, but there's one area on each level that is kind of designed for you to want to use the smart bomb. Yeah. But then Typically you're re- where you're in a close space, a space yeah. and then like four or five ninjas uh, materialize it. out of thin air and all jump jump you at the same time. Yeah, And and of course the, the risk and reward being that if you can navigate that without wasting it or using it, you can then take it on to, you can carry that onto the boss, unlike the powered up shuriken. So, uh, or you get bonus points, more of which later. Uh, so again, it sounds like is the the master system versions different because you're earning the magic, and does it? But it does does it have the same effect? Uh, it, there's a load of different ones, to be honest. Yeah. There's a, yeah. Uh, so like you say, the the levitate one's probably the most famous one. Of course, obviously yeah. it's seen very. That's a much very different a, thing. Yeah, it's seen very much as it. That's a, like I say, a, a problem solving kind of a mm. magic. You know what I mean? To, to kind of a, to kind of get past like i say the jump like that's literally i wish there was a more imaginative name for it than that but literally everybody just calls it the jump um but there, there is like a, it is like you say kind of we're workshopable like that. but like you say you're not guaranteed any of it so your ability to uh your ability yeah. to get it or even see it you know what i mean is is directly uh correlated to your ability to get through the uh to get through the bonus rounds in one kind of a uh, uh like properly so like it's it's funny though because like you were rich makes a really good point with the fact that like sprite limitations mm. unwittingly make that way more difficult you yeah. know what i mean because like you can't just t- torpedo about two thousand shurikens across like yeah. you have to properly uh ironically you have to be way more ninja you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and just make yeah. them make them count not just not just turn up and throw 300 like <laughs> in like some kind of massive wave <laughs> yeah i mean it is it does feel more like in the arcade and, and as i say i quite in, enjoy it for that but yeah. it's still uh you still can get caught i don't know what the actual limit on screen is there there's a limit in the main game of four uh i'm not sure what it actually is on the bonus stage but it's um yeah it's considerably i guess it's considerably more than the master system version but you can still get to a point where you've shot too many and you need one um and 
yeah, that last springy ninja is about to get all up in your grill like they do. Yeah. And they're, they're high res, high def selves. Yeah. Still makes me jump sometimes. So I, I get the sense we'll probably sort of go a bit deeper into the, the bosses, but on the Mandora boss, like where it becomes problematic is it's less to do with, you know, how quickly you can throw Sheriff in more about your timing. But the issue is you're also going to want to try and get as close as possible to prevent the amount of time that that sprite is on screen which means that you have to basically waste some frames going back and then finding a way through it and you know your um it's the the ninja clones it's the uh ability yeah. that you get from the the um uh bonus stage beforehand and obviously that just shreds the boss like no problem whatsoever but if you don't have that it, and you don't have the um the uzi or the cannon i'm not really sure what it is this that boss is just huh. so difficult because the this is why I say I think the, the shurikens travel less quickly as well, which means that you need to get a bit closer. So it's just the timing on that's really tight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's this thing of uh, shot limit as well, right? Like the closer you are to an enemy, the faster you can damage them or take yeah. them out. Yeah. Yeah, I I played that boss so many times to try and get like a, on the mass system to try and get like a, a working strategy. It's the same thing again though, like, and that's... Uh, a trope of gaming like of the time like if you're not uh if you haven't got the ability to save and and uh try and practice those bosses which nobody did at the time you have to try and work it out you know what i mean and then die and go all the way back there which inevitably just means that you and you hear the people talking about this all the time like people who played arcade games then have been really good at the first three levels you know what i mean yeah oh yeah, yeah. anybody i ask about our type when they talk to me about our type Oh, says, yeah. that, says that they're dead good at the first three levels. Ha, ha, that's me, absolutely. I'm sure I said it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely yeah. nailed it for the first three. It's absolutely. the same with this. Like, this, is, this is a moment like that, you know. This yeah, is like sure. a, This is a, both a metaphorical and literal, but not haunted wall, right, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. that will, yeah. stop, uh, will stop a lot of people. Quite, yeah, uh, but that's the thing, right, because even, even as a kid or a teenager with 10 or 20p, if you got three levels into any game... You felt like, you know, you'd had a good run. Mm. It was fun. You'd had some, you had some thrills and spills. And it was always sad when you got game over, but you didn't feel like ripped off. So that was the the mastery of the, the arcade developer at this point was finding the right, the, the, the exact right point to stick the difficulty spike in so that people would still come back and play it. Like our type, great example. Yeah. Uh, I could, yeah, do, I could know, no death the first three levels with, you know, just, and just love it and then get to the green dots on the fourth level with yeah. the maze and that's it. And I'm, and I'm, I lose one life and then I quickly lose the other two, but I still had a great time. Exactly. Whereas haunted castle, <laughs> you get to the haunted wall <laughs> and you're like, I just got killed by some bricks. I'll never play that again. <laughs> the haunted yeah. wall. It's a, uh, it's just, I think like huge difficulty spikes out of nowhere or seemingly impossible challenges aren't really conclusive to like keeping you know keeping people getting pulled to an arcade game like something where you feel like oh i can do better better next time that's yeah a yeah. game that makes you feel like okay i'm coming back to this you know yeah but even so i think there were cases where like i knew every time i played vulcan venture or whatever i wasn't getting past level three right uh, even level two was a nightmare but i was still oh, yeah. having an amazing time just playing those first couple of levels because they were so spectacular. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a difficult thing. And as we've talked about before, I don't, I couldn't find any major information on uh, ROM differences for this game, even though 
the Sega Ages version offers in uh, Japanese or international ROMs. I don't, I, I couldn't find any information on meaningful differences. Um, but no. we we've talked before about how often the US distributors would tweak difficulty of these games so that they were money munchers rather than games that you could one CC. Whereas you know broadly Japanese designers wanted the games to be defeatable if you had Ben Cartledge levels of uh, diligence and and execution. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a topic we often discuss on uh, on video visits, of course. Uh, and so, yeah. I've seen some uh, some clears uh, on uh, YouTube that claim USA ROM hardest difficulty, but this, yeah, right. that's as far as I got. What, yeah. Like, what exactly makes it harder? And I I can't see anything very significantly. No, no. Yeah. I, I, normally, it's it's fairly easy to come across that information. So the dip switches offer you uh, four difficulties. I think it is um, three or four. I forget. There's a hardest because um, there's an achievement on the Xbox 360 version for killing the second stage boss on hardest difficulty. We'll come on to that boss in a moment, but um, but actually that was a fairly straightforward achievement to get because the game doesn't get too brutal until after that. Yeah. Um, one of the key dip switches that's in every version, apart from the Astro City mini version where you're not allowed to touch it, is by default the enemy uh, projectiles are defaulted to slow, but there is an option to turn them to fast which makes the game considerably harder mm. yeah and i think also it's a little bit too early uh in the uh, history of arcade gaming for those um differences between regions as far as difficulty is concerned mm. become much more pronounced you know that's uh, okay. more yeah. of more of an early 90s right. later 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 80s uh, kind mm. of thing i think yeah. yeah, that might might be the case. I hadn't really ever made that connection, but you could be onto something there. Yeah. Got a, got a quick uh, question let's... just before oh, we go, kind of can't that forward. This is multiplayer in the arcade. Is is that correct? Alternate. Ah, Alternate. Right, okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, not yeah. not simultaneous. No, that would be a that would be a would have been cool. Um trying to think if they ever I think I think all Shinobi games are single player at a time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, Rolling, Th- Rolling Thunder 2 uh, is yes. uh, two player co op. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. You can get that one on Switch if you're interested, listeners. Uh, so, yeah, mission one Pursue the Terrorists. Set in the slums of a city, the boss is Ken O, a gigantic samurai like ninja who can throw fireballs. I guess uh, one thing worth mentioning about this, although it's not the case in every version, in the original, you get to see Ken at the end of each sub-level before the actual boss fight. He's there waiting for you and he stomps off, he throws a fireball and stomps off the screen, yeah. which is kind of enticing, but also intimidating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can never separate him now uh, from um, the first end-of-level boss in Alice Kid and Shinobi World. Which is by all means a, a cutesy parody of Shinobi, yeah. similar to how Kid Dracula is a cutesy parody of Castlevania, and One yeah. Paku Graffiti is a cutesy parody of uh, Splatterhouse. Yeah. Um, and the 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 Ken O stand in there is uh, was it called in earlier versions Mario, and um, ah. he had uh, you know he looked very much like a Mario, and even in the final version he still looks like that. Uh, and the the funny thing there is, like, if you defeat him, he shrinks down to a minute size and then he ah. walks off the screen. Kawaii. And he has the voice of Chris Pratt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
Mission 2, Enter the Enemy's Hideout, is set in a harbour. The boss is the Black Turtle Attack Chopper, which drops off an army of yellow-clad ninjas. Why is it, tell me, panel, that this game makes the Attack Chopper the super cinchiest boss? <laughs> it's so weird. Like, yeah. it's, it's this huge... I mean, it's probably not a sprite. It's probably a backdrop that's being scrolled around. It's massive. And... The amount of games I've played up to this point where an enemy boss helicopter was the was probably the game over, you'll get out of here moment. In this game, it's weirdly straightforward. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. And also this whole uh, Keystone Cops thing, uh, clown car thing, where this <laughs> yellow, yellow yeah. ninjas keep hopping out of the, the chopper. Yeah, the like... chopper with the word ninja <laughs> written on the side of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ninjas are us. I mean, if ninja you had hole. if you had a bell attack helicopter, would you paint the word ninja on the side? I think I would. Yeah. Yeah. Especially <sighs> at that point in time. Yeah. <laughs> My favourite name of a level, I think, or actually, I don't know. The, all the last three levels have got great names. Mission three is attack the logistic base, <laughs> which is the most <laughs> sexy sounding <laughs> level ever. I'm talking Atta- about admin. Atta- attack the admin facility. That is yeah. admin, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's one man's t- Shinobi basically at this point is one man's quest against unnecessary admin. Ninja red tape. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Joe yeah. just wants the paperless office. Even then it was a myth. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, right. He didn't even want his mission briefing on a piece. No, he of didn't. Thing. No, email at me. Oh, you can't do that now, isn't it? The 1987. <laughs> if uh, if my time in uh, Gary Kitchen's Super Battle Tank call on War in the Gulf tells me anything, it's that war's won by logistics. So I think he's on the right way. <laughs> <laughs> The logistics base is not set in a uh, a, a control-style corporate office block. Rich is pleased to know because he hates games set in those. It's <laughs> set in a secret base hidden within a cave. The boss is a lineup of stack-up Mandara statues controlled by a supercomputer, which takes the form, as they do, of a giant fireball-spitting face. A lot of uh, very, uh, you know, a lot of engineers with uh, vivid imaginations working there. Uh, it's really not a yeah. It's 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 the sort of Bond villain level of sensible uh, end of area foe, isn't it? <laughs> like it it makes absolutely no sense, but it is nails hard if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, the, the yeah, Dora is the the kind of AI bot at the end of that is yeah, an absolute yeah. cakewalk, though. You know, you'd stand yes. in the spot. Although it does feel like once you've got past the hideousness of the wall of spinning statues, uh, it does feel a bit mean that. That the 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 final thing is still able of able to shoot energy balls at you or whatever. It felt I felt like I was once I'd done the spinning statues, I would just have to just touch this thing for it to die. But no, it it does have some form of secondary yeah. defense. And in a one hit kill game, it's easy to get yeah. hit by that uh, yeah. fireball and die. Yeah, yeah, because you're still shaking and your hands are still sweating from the statues. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly the point. I think. And he throws them in uh, alternate high low patterns. You know, so you need yeah. to. You don't need to be, you shouldn't be too too touchy and jump or duck too early. Like, uh, you need to be a little bit observant of where he's, uh, where the energy ball is coming. Yeah, exactly. Mission four has a great name and a great named boss. Destroy the enemy ninja group. Set in a ninja training camp. The boss is the lobster. A tall, sword-wielding ninja clad in red samurai armor with a V-shaped symbol on his helmet. And this is another one of the 
ones I was talking about earlier, where it's all about the specific uh, laser guided shuriken shot where you have to kind of release as you're falling. Yeah. Yeah, I think they reprise this uh, sort of concept a lot in the later Shinobi games. Like Revenge of Shinobi has those large samurais as well that guard yep. guard their body with their katanas and then, yeah, yeah. need to hit them at very specific times. Over and over again. Yep. And Mission 5, which is a, 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 another really cool level title, Defeat the Behind the Scene Ninja, set in the mansion of the enemy's leader. Unlike previous missions, the player is not allowed to continue if he loses all of his lives at this point, the final boss is Zeed's leader, the masked ninja, who attacks with four different ninjutsu techniques. His true identity is revealed to be Nakahara, Joe Masashi's mentor. Nakahara's name is a reference to the Masashi Nakahara station. His name is meant to be a hint of his true identity as Nakahara Masashi, Joe Masashi's father. It's Star Wars all over again. <laughs> Before we have a chat about the boss, can we have a quick chat about the... Uh... The forest level, because that is Please, singly the yeah. most miserable time I think I've had playing any game in the last year. Because oh. it's just, uh, it's just relentless, oh, you know. Like you get there's the ones where that they just fly yeah, through the in, air. in that V yeah. formation. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't yeah. think I found an effective way to really like honestly deal with nah. those things. Like I, I couldn't admit to having to save scum my way through that one. I wasn't gonna. Yeah, you just got to learn it or save scum yeah. it. Honestly, um, like learning is the only way to do that. Unless you, if you want to do it legitimately, like you have to. Yeah. If you look at yeah. the clear that I did on the Master System one, which is the same, but much, but obviously it's slowed down and it's can't handle slower. can't handle as many things. Yeah. I, I had to I, I had to play that level, God, and 20, 30 times, like repeatedly, repeatedly, and like even when yeah. if you watch that video, if you listen to like me commentating as I'm doing it. The, the the commentary is me talking to myself, like going right two, three, four, right back. There's going to be one here. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> like, like a dance. narrating myself. Yeah, I'm just narrating yeah, myself. After to... after memorization, yeah, yeah, it's got to be. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's very uh, it's very House of Flying Daggers that bit yeah. for me. You know yeah, what I mean? the way they just come, they just come darting in and out out of absolute. absolute At this nowhere. point, also, like in Mission Four and Five, uh, the enemies uh, are starting to become more bizarre as well. Like there's uh, yes. all these like these. Island of Doctor Moreau, kind of, uh, yeah, kind of uh, freegazoids walking yeah, around and, the, and flying around. And the guys with the the staff as well for that one level only. Yeah, it's it's like an interesting. Mm, yeah. one. and and how about that? The fact that there's no continues. Like, is that normal for games of this yes. era? Yeah, it's pretty normal arcade game thing. Uh, it goes right into the the later era of the arcades. You'd see it in like Psycho shoot 'em ups and things like that. You get to the final stage and like, nope, you can't continue anymore. Tokyo uh, as well. Yeah, Toki. Yeah, quite, yeah. yeah, it was relatively common, but yeah, it didn't. It, given that not every game did it, obviously you could credit feed a number of games to the death. It did always feel a bit mean, but it was very much, I think, the developer saying, actually, this is possible. It may seem really hard, but it's doable. You don't need to credit feed. You can get good at the game and do it that way. Um, but yeah, if you just want to see the end, <laughs> it's it can be a miserable miserable cruel thing the final boss speaking of which uh is a weird one because the first sort of the first sequence of it i, I don't know about the master system version but the arcade version is pretty brutal um very exacting learnable and doable not impossible um as i say but uh it's particularly off-putting because you're not doing any damage to it it doesn't so uh energy 
uh, bosses have um, uh, like a, a row of dots at the top of the screen which show you how, how much you're damaging them. And the final boss, uh, no matter what you do, it doesn't seem to hurt him until you survive to a particular stage of his existence, um, at which point he actually becomes relatively easy. If you if you get him locked into rushing at you, you can just kind of hammer away and eventually he goes down. Even if he gets close, you just kick him. There's a there's another point where crouching becomes invaluable. Did everyone else uh, have fun with Nakahara? No. <laughs> <laughs> <In short. laughs> um yeah so you know it's a it's a melee only boss i think as far as i'm concerned there's some pretty punishing hitboxes uh especially in that first stage where he's got that kind of yeah. electric thing the the second stage i didn't find to be too problematic because when he turns into a whirlwind you just jump into him and that kind of prevents you from taking any damage from those little oh, sort of no. like circular scythe things that go around but it's the third stage for me i, I don't know like it's really busy huh. It gets very um, panic-inducing, and I, I was watching a few videos today of like how people mm. take it on, and they're they're a little bit more defensive than what I was, and maybe that's really the the key. Take yeah, to he jumps the all over things. the place. Yeah. So, which is the stage at which he just for me, I've, I've, both times I've completed this, he's just ended up. He ends up just charging at me, and I just ah, that's the fourth stage. Keep, yeah. So uh, that's fourth step. Right. Okay. Yeah. He, he, sort of runs from one side of the screen to the other, like at exceptional speed. And that, I think, I don't know if it was the, the right way to do it, but I just stood there and kicked him in the penis and it seemed to work out for me okay. Yeah, so, there you go. well, it does. It's a proven technique in games <laughs> and in life. Stealthy. Similar things in the mass system, or is it is it slightly different? He, uh, I ain't got as many forms, obviously. Um, okay. But uh, there's a way to glitch him as well, actually, on the mass system one. Um Mm. Where basically, yeah, you can kind of get it so uh, you can kind of corner trap him pretty much, um, and then just repeatedly, uh, repeatedly smash him with the uh, with the if you've got. But like I say, it's that thing of having the best weapons, you know, um, and being able to and having your one go of beating him. You know what I mean? Uh, because realistically, yeah. it's next to impossible. Like without any, with anything apart from the best, uh, the best kind of setup. He does like right. the uh, he does the whirlwind, and you can use the. To be fair, you can use the crouching forward thing for to help you with the the whirlwind. To mm. be honest, and when he does the clones bit, like uh, that's not too bad. But but after he's done that, like and he does the one where he uh, he does the one where he runs at you, you can basically jump over him, uh, and he'll run straight into the wall, and then yeah. you can land on the other side and then just pin him with shots, basically. So like there is a way of the master system one is uh, is. Once you can get to the last bit, you can basically uh, if you if you execute fine the last the last last bit is uh, uh, really easy to be honest with you. But it's mm. easy if you know how to do it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Once you got him looped, he's dead. You know what I mean? But like, yes. it's just it's having to try and uh, having to try and uh, execute is always the uh, is always the kind of tough bit on that. But that's the uh, <laughs> the funny thing with that is is the fact that like. Um, Obviously, we'll talk a bit more about the, the specifics of the different versions, but the Mass System version, uh, I said, is famous for the jump. Mm. It's also famous for not having an ending. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, yeah. I was bemoaning this at the time as well. Such niceties. Yeah, which is kind of quite famous about the thing. It's not like a spoiler, like it's very well, very well known, excuse me, about it. It's the fact that, like, you were get all, I think my clear took me like 25 minutes, maybe. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's tough you know in places and it's it's quite the year uh, and the good thing is as well 
uh, it is quite the uh, yeah it is quite the journey and, and it's like it's good because you get you do get different weapons you know um one of the other random things i didn't mention is the fact that on the mass system one you also mm. get a um uh like a so you get the gun and you get the shuriken but you also get like a grenade as a weapon Oh, that you can like roll along the floor. Ninja grenade. Yeah, the ve- obviously stealthy. Um, Smoke bomb? No. Yeah, like frag grenade. Frag, yeah, the right. straight frag grenade. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> but yeah, that's so. You do get that kind of thing as well, which is nice and and cool and kind of a bit different. But yeah, yeah just the fact that you've gone through this. I don't know. Like you're more endeared to the character because you've powered him up throughout that whole thing. You know what I mean? You start with like six bits of health. And shurikens and and uh, and no and no kind of hands, no kind of actual hand on kind of weapon, and then you progress to having like I don't know what it is. I don't know what the maximum health is. It's a lot though. It's like more than double what you start with. Oh really? Like Twelve wow. blocks of health, yeah, and okay. a chain whip and like a gun. And, and you dream feel, of a health bar and all that. And stuff. you feel what's it? And like you say, you do feel like really uh, yeah. untouchable. You know what I mean? But like there's there's a there's a definite like journey through that. And then you figure out the way of of beating the uh, you figure out the way of beating that boss, mm. and it literally he dies, and then it just says game over. Oh man! Oh, and then not just... even a well done, not no, so much it as just a well done. Just says game over. Yeah, it was then... all too common in those days. Uh, my friend Simon and I still regularly joke about this. He's currently playing through. He's played through Dark Souls one and two. He's near the end of Dark Souls three. And I was, you know, it's just been a running joke with us since the mid 80s. Like, you know, what you're going to get is just a, a black screen with a, a small bit of regular font, white text on in the middle, just saying, well done. Yeah. <laughs> Start again. Um, I don't you think lived. Shinobi. You, yeah, yeah, indeed. I don't think Shinobi even has a loop too, does it? Uh, I think it just, I think it ends when it ends. No, it just ends. It ends. Yeah. And then it goes straight back to the what's Yeah. It, it is an interesting choice, though, because I mean, like, you know, at the start of the level, you're given those kind of classified case files with a little bit of information. Mm. So I, I was mm. expecting something, you know, some kind of context. I even went to the. They ran out. Of, I can I guarantee you they ran out of ROM space to. Yeah, hundred percent. That's the thing, isn't it? it? Apparently, it was a not more than that as well. Like from from what I've read about it, apparently it was a legitimate mistake. Oh, okay. Apparently, so they got logically like they are going to struggle for ROM space, but yeah, apparently yeah. it was just a legit. Can you imagine that? Just getting to the end and going right then. Oh, this whole thing's done. Right. Who's done the Ship ending? It. Have you done that, Steve? No. <laughs> that was Terry. Where's he? He's not in. Oh, brilliant. We've got no room. It's all, well, it's I'm, always, I'm not getting rid of the wham, the wham soundtrack. That's staying in there. You know? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was doing Club Tropicana. Sorry, I thought Dave was doing the ending. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, it, it, it's, it's baffling even, like you say, it's a mistake because it isn't even, like you say, just well done in that text, fine. Yeah, you know what better I mean? than that, nothing. Yeah. That, game that, over sucks. The, well, the thing is, the, game over like looks like a mistake. Like, yeah, well done's, yeah. well done's cruddy, but it looks like at least it's acknowledged the fact that the game's yes, finished. Exactly. Yeah. Like when I when I uh, came back to doing this and beat this properly, like uh, I got to the end and thought I'd downloaded the wrong ROM or something. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I thought to myself, yeah. this isn't. It doesn't end like this, does it? And then I was like reading loads of art, and I was like. It really does, yeah. This is like <laughs> this is legitimately how it all finishes. Good news, listener. If you do play the arcade ROM officially or unofficially, you will get uh, a couple of screens and some text and a little, you know, graphic to congratulate you for your efforts. You get to find out about the motivation of the final boss. Indeed. Apparently, he was obsessed with uh, recreating uh, the feudal uh, Japan era of civil wars, and uh, to to 
go back to that to make Japan great again. He uh, <laughs> started a, a terrorist organization. As you do. Yeah. yeah. It's always the fascists, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I really like about this game, but I have absolutely no chance of ever kind of exploiting so there's an achievement on the xbox 360 version for getting i think it's 300,000 points total um and i think even on my completion i had like 200 and something thousand so the way to maximize your score is to use the force like in the star wars arcade game from a few years before this by not firing uh, down the trench run in this game if you don't use ninja magic in the entire level, you get an extra 5,000 points. That's doable sometimes. Mm. Uh, but extraordinarily, you get 20,000 extra points per level for not shooting shurikens or bullets. Yeah. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know this was a thing until I got the Sega Ages version because it, there's actually a toggle you can switch on. The, it's, they call it Secret Navi. And basically, if you, you, if you are still eligible for the bonus, it says it on the top of the screen until you fire and then it goes away. <laughs> oh, um, nice. But uh, goodness me, it seems like it should be impossible, but clearly it isn't to yeah, play through this game without melee that. everything, just get up and yeah. close with every enemy. Yeah, yeah. But it's very easy to just miss that window and accidentally fire a shuriken. I find. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, there are levels of mastery of this game for sure. Let's go through the other versions, starting with the Master System version, which we've already talked about quite a bit, but it was the first version, the official version for home users on the Master System. There was actually a 2015 fan project for the Mega Drive, um, which is far closer to the arcade version, as you'd expect, but um, I don't think it was ever completed. But it, it looked like a looked like whoever was handling that unofficially was doing a great job. On the Master System version back in 88, Alex79 says... I've only ever played one version of this game, and that's the Master System port. A friend of mine owned it, and we used to play it quite a lot. I remember thinking the game was really tough, and it took us a long while to get through it. But we did it in the end. I remember the boss fights, at least after the first one being particular sticking points. I think the series really stepped up a notch with Shinobi 3, but obviously we're not talking about that game. But this original I do have a lot of nostalgia for, if not very clear memories of the actual game itself. Well, it was a long time ago. So yeah, Tengen released, I don't actually, how does this, how did this work? So Tengen are a, a proper company who release games on lots of formats. Yeah, and well, in 19, they, in were, they were not, uh, they weren't like a, 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 just an, a lone entity. Uh, they were actually the home division of the arcade division of uh, Atari. So Atari That's Games, right. which yeah. were, who were a, a separate company up at, uh, at that point. Uh, had Tengen as their home gaming division, and uh, they were just not too concerned with uh, Nintendo's licensing policies yeah. and uh, cartridges and everything. So they kind of reverse engineered uh, and, and you know put that put out their own cards. So it's one right. of those. So you ended up with a Sega game on a on a Nintendo yeah, console that's way it. back in eighty uh, nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I think Sega was uh, putting out uh, Famicom games in Japan early on, at least. Yeah. So it was not sense. entirely unheard of. No, sure. I think the uh, the the uh, uh, Famicom version of Altered Beast was legit and done by Sega. Right. Okay. Um, as you can imagine, this looks more like the Master System version, but it obviously wasn't handled in-house. And so 
probably isn't as authentic, um, but it has the smaller sprites, um, fewer colors yeah, than the Master System version. It's still impressive, though. I mean, you get a lot of slowdown yeah. on the uh, ninja jump between different layers in uh, yes, very in much the, so. yeah. the Master System version. That that just isn't present in the NES, so it's pretty good. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, uh, a more authentic, arcade authentic version came to the PC Engine and Turbo Graphics, developed by Asmic in 1989. I would imagine there are some, you know, in the same way as I know uh, Ben was able to actually pick apart the minutiae of the difference between, say, the Ghouls and Ghosts Mega Drive version compared to the arcade version. I suspect there are there are you know sort of uh, differences that the the layman wouldn't necessarily appreciate between the arcade version and the PC Engine version, but PC Engine was notorious for getting these really uh you know pretty close arcade ports like r type and things like that worth looking at anyway. definitely listen yeah, to the cool. the ost for that one as well it's really beefy it's got a really nice kind of sound to it yeah great sound then there's that ibm pc version which i haven't played either but um looks pretty terrible to me like ibm games around this time especially arcade games often look pretty ropey and rough i feel um, and actually, I would just much rather play the Master System version than than this. It wasn't. It's not like PC games now, where that's the technically the best version, and all the other versions are kind of consoleized uh, compromises. This is like a, a yeah, a kind of a, a business a business computer trying to run an arcade an eight bit conversion of an arcade game, and yeah, maybe it plays fine. I wouldn't know. Those micro versions were developed by the Sales Curve, who would go on to uh, some great things, including an amazing conversion of um, Rodland for the Amiga, which is uh, really, really special. These were done for Virgin Mastertronic games, also in 1989. Now, the 16-bit the versions uh, looked awful, and I remember this at the time. I never picked up Shinobi for my Amiga because it just looked like a really crummy port. It basically looked the same as the ST version, um, rough colors, rough animation, Cut content as well. Scrolling. If I remember correctly, it doesn't have the um, like interstitial stages with the shuriken. No, no, almost certainly not. Um, the ST version has chip chippy sound, whereas the Amiga version has sampled sound. But to my ears, actually, the ST version of the tunes sound more authentic, certainly close to the Master System versions. However, the eight bit versions were decent. Um, by all accounts, the CPC, Spectrum and MSX were all quite similar Z80 versions. The Commodore 64 version looks very much like the Master System version. Um, received an 86% review in Zap64, for example. Um, and, uh, and yeah, was was considered a... a de- it was relatively late in the, in the Commodore 64's life in 1989, but um, was worth picking up for, for those who are still persisting at that point. There's a there's an, uh, an amusing message in the Amiga versions code hidden for crackers. It says, "F me, I never thought you would do it. Bet it took a long time, though. By the way, the only way to crack this game is if you have at least four megabytes of fast RAM. There's a hint. Are you enjoying this? By the way, me, Richard Applin, and Tim, the programmer, thought we might give you a little challenge. I reckon I'll hold you off for about a week. Oh." By the way, Quartex, you told me at the SAE party this would be easy. Well, is it? I'm sure Populous was easy too. <laughs> well, obviously, you weren't fooled earlier. I'm impressed. Not a bad bit of hacking, but the best is yet to come. <laughs> Just wait, because now it gets really good. If you're reading this message on a pirated version of Shinobi, may all your days in prison be computerless. 
Um, there's um, <laughs> there's an even longer rant in the uh, in the CPC version, which goes on for pages and pages. Yeah, uh, but this is, of course, not uh, like uh, you know, it uh, wasn't directed at the people that played pirated versions, but the actual crackers or or hackers that's that yeah. uh, put them yes. together. You know, the, the regular consumer would never see this message, of course. Yes, although they they were often, um, yeah, they were circulated with the pirated copies, yeah, um, as kind of proof of purchase. It yeah. says, according to the cutting room floor, the Amstrad CPC version, uh, a Shinobi port developed under the influence of Pink Floyd, The Other, and Talking Heads. The Wii Virtual Console version. I never downloaded this for some reason. Um, the Virtual Console arcade games were pretty bare bones in terms of features, if I recall right, Mikhail. Yeah, yeah. There are uh, dip switch settings, though. You can go in there. Okay. Uh, and as opposed to a lot of uh, Virtual Console console games, uh, there are screen settings as well. Oh, there and, are. Uh, okay. And remappings. Uh, M2 did those as well, actually. And... Uh, yeah, there's not much of an extra interface except for no. that sort of uh, hidden menu. Um, yeah, not nothing too crazy about Shinobi, but Space Harrier, for example, is yeah. interesting in that you can uh, remap the controls in yes. that uh, with the uh, to the uh, uh, yeah. nunchuck to sort of use it as a yeah, like the Joystick. arcade controls, yeah. the stick controls, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's also no longer available for purchase because the Wii no. shop is dead. So, yeah. For what it's worth. However, you can still play the Xbox 360 or a PS3 versions. Uh, they were handled by Backbone or Digital Eclipse, who aren't, who weren't quite then what they are now. Now they're considered a very safe pair of hands, whereas back then they were more considered a kind of workmanlike uh, studio in 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 terms of um, producing emulated retro games. But uh, I've played this version recently and it, it runs fine. It feels responsive. It's only got one visual option, which is not, it's not smeary smooth, but it's not, it's not pixel sharp either. It's kind of in the middle. Um, no scan line options or scaling or anything like that to speak of. But maybe, you, maybe you can move, the, maybe you can change the screen size. I can't remember, but it's fine. It's got the dip switches. It's got a, it's got no rewind, but it's got a save state. And as I say, it only costs three quid on, xbox and you can play it on your series x or xbox one or whatever as well uh this was the versions when the sent well, censorships right or or legal issues first came to light so as mikhil mentioned right at the top of the show one of the enemy grunts in the second stage of mission one a wall crawling ninja who roughly resembles the marvel book comic book character spider-man originally wore a blue bodysuit and mask with red gloves and boots which was too close to spider-man's color scheme in the Wii and Xbox 360 releases, his colour scheme was changed to a green bodysuit and mask with yellow boots and gloves. It's a look. It's a cool look. Uh, yeah. If Yeah, it looks more like Green Goblin, I guess. The backgrounds yeah. in Mission 1, 2 and 1, 3 also featured Andy Warhol-style posters of Marilyn Monroe. However, without consent from, consent from the Monroe estate, or presumably the Warhol estate, these images had to be removed. It's a shame. I mean, they're really well, impressive. Like, you get the feeling that it was a bit of a kind of a, a flourish, you know, and I suppose yeah. the 80s was a time where it was better to ask for forgiveness than permission in this regard. Yeah. At least one of the versions has replaced the Marilyns with Altered Beast Monsters. Yeah, I think that's the most recent. The Sega Ages, Ages version, yeah. version. Yeah, yeah. so that's that's quite cool. Whereas yeah, the, 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 others the just Wii Virtual Console version just has an empty wall, yeah. That's it, yeah. yeah. Doesn't look very exciting. 
Yeah. And as I said, the version included in that uh, Mega Drive collection on the Genesis and M- uh, the M- sorry Genesis MD collection for that generation of consoles, not the one that's available now. Um, the graphical changes were not present in that uh, that release, so it was closer to the arcade. Sega Ages version, um, as I say, I would say officially the best way to play it right now. Um, outside of original hardware, obviously you can emulate it unofficially as well but the sega ages version not only does it have the original version untouched um, but beautifully emulated with the dip switches and everything also has uh, a kind of uh, a friendlier modern option where you take more hits and you can rewind and uh, and it's got leaderboards and all that cool stuff um level select and everything else all optional so you can play it as as was intended or you can go to town with the with the extra features and yeah that brings us up to the Astro City Mini version, which is considerably less fully featured than the Switch Sega Ages version. And will cost you a lot more money if you buy the entire Astro City Mini. <laughs> I just wanted to mention, because uh, just because they've got the same, pretty much the same title, we're not officially covering these, but uh, we may have something to say about, first, the 2002 game called Shinobi. Yeah which was by Overworks or Sega AM7. Um, this itself got its own sequel. Nightshade, right? Nightshade. Yeah. Um, and this was moderately well-received, bit of a cult classic, bit of a hardcore gamer's gem. Um, yeah. Maybe one we'll cover someday, but I've never actually played it. Have you, Mikhail? Uh, no, I'm still on the lookout for it, but right. I always like... rare? I don't think... So. It's not super rare, but okay. also not super common, you know? No. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, I guess this kind of preceded uh, the uh, famous uh, uh, Xbox reboot of Ninja Gaiden. Um, yeah. And being a sort of hardcore 3D ninja That's action true. hack and slash game, you know? And uh, yeah, pretty well received one of that, like you said. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think it has this thing where uh, your guy is cursed uh, uh-huh. with the sword that he uses, like this demon sword. Uh, which means like your energy, uh, your HP is constantly draining in the game. And uh, you sort of have to tackle rooms like Stressful. like puzzles, like under time pressure, killing enough mm. enemies to drain their blood and uh, keep the sword um, satisfied or something something to that effect. Yeah. yeah. We, we may cover it someday if we can source it and, and there's enough interest there. Uh, it received a, it's got a 71 meta score, but it's got a 8.2 user score on Metacritic. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, maybe a, it would be nice if they released a double pack of that and Nightshade remastered yeah, for good, PS4. Good scarf five, effects. Like I guess that's probably all. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the flowing nice red scarf, yeah. wavy exactly. red scarf. I, know, I, yeah. I think I might be wrong. Is this one of the the games that wasn't released in the North American territory? Uh, I think it was. All right, okay. Cool. I'm not so. Uh, yeah, no, it was. There's a. I can see a North American box art cool. with a M for mature on it. Yeah. Uh, and the last one I just wanted to mention was a 2011 game. I'd forgotten this existed until I was researching this show. Was this I when you, it. I was going to say, was this when you were at Nintendo, Mikhail? Uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I remember actually uh, one of my colleagues, who's now the head of PR uh, over there. Yeah. Uh, he uh, came back from E3 and he was saying, oh, I think you'll really like this new Shinobi game. I think it's really something for you, Mikhail, when he, when he came back from there. Was it? Um. 
It's not bad. I, I have it and I played a little bit of it. Uh, but uh, I think you use uh, one of the shoulder buttons to... You need to use that to parry it. And it's pretty demanding. So yeah. you need to parry a lot of enemy attacks. Mm-hmm. And the shoulder buttons on my original 3DS model aren't always super responsive. Right. So it felt like... I was I felt kind of hamstrung by... Uh, by the hardware that I was using, you know, um, yeah, it looked it looked alright though. It, it it looked like, you know, it's it was by a shovelware developer, but it looked like they're actually mm. um, from interviews around the time as well. Of course, you know, they, they that was never their their mission in life to develop shovelware. They were actually all like uh, pretty hardcore gamers themselves and yeah. big fans, and it they seemed very happy to be given a a, a, a very nice license to work with that mm. they had a lot of, lot of affinity for. So I think they tried to put a lot in it, you know? Mm. Uh, I, I actually think, like, this, the game sold very little also. Yeah. It came out very early in the uh, 3DS's lifespan when there was yeah. a high adoption rate. And uh, I think they, they... I'm pretty sure that they had to shut their studio down after this game as well. They got sold off uh, to EA. Yeah, yeah. So the, the one we're talking about is is called Shinobi 3D. It was a 2011 3DS-only release by Griptonite Games, who yeah. became Glue Mobile, part of EA. Yeah, um, you don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, I think uh, it was called Shinobi 3D in Japan only, and here it was just Shinobi. called Shinobi. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, 69... Metacritic score seventy uh, seven point three user score. So yeah, not stellar, but not a, yeah. not a total disaster. We're no. probably less likely to cover that one someday than the PS two one, but you never know. <laughs> it's a also it's a a two D game with polygonal graf- graphics and of yeah. course uh, stereoscopic three D effects. Yes, yeah, yeah. unstable three D. <laughs> exactly, you gotta love it. Um, fi- finally, also, I think it's worth uh, mentioning that there's a game fairly recent uh, out now mm-hmm. uh, on pretty much every system. I think it even came out on Dreamcast physically recently uh, called Shadow Gangs by an oh, independent yeah. developer. I don't know this one. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much pretty much a uh, it, it's it's an independent developer called JKM Corp. And it's pretty much uh, a retake of the original Shinobi, huh. with uh, Freddie Mercury as the final boss. Okay, licensed or unlicensed? <laughs> unlicensed. I mean, he looks like that in the promotional art and everything, very much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it has this sort of hand-drawn art style to it, similar like those uh, at Wallachia, Castlevania-like games. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so very uh, detailed uh, hand-drawn art that looks looks a little bit off to me, but uh, and, and but still, you know, could be yeah. cool. So it's a tribute. It even game. has it's a tribute game to the original arcade Shinobi. Uh, even has very similar bonus stages, and your guy uh, does walk around when he upgrades to his uh, ninja costume. He does carry around an Uzi as well, which <laughs> he uses in the uh, which he uses in the bonus stages as well to gun down other ninjas. Ah, shadow gangs, you say? Shadow gangs, yeah. Okay, yeah. Thanks for bringing that excellent tidbit. Hmm, I didn't know. We got just a small number of three-word reviews from our social media. Follow us at Kane and Rince. Bearfish Pie says, "Meet Joe Black." Robin Hoodie says, "Ninja Master System and System Behind it, Between Brackets." And Kanaz Ghost says, "Beautiful Joe Mizashi." Very good. Ninja Master was a game uh, on the eight-bit home micros 
by Firebird, as I recall. Uh, it was a sort of ninja training game during the height of the ninja craze on video games. <laughs> uh, it was not very good in my recollection. Needs more opinion. Uzis. <laughs> yeah, very few Uzis. Yeah. Ninja weapon of choice. <clears throat> right. Uh, then to summarize our Shinobi 1 impressions and opinions. Uh, I'll just quickly go first because I, I don't have a huge amount to say. Um, like many arcade games of the era, I enjoy this one. I have a certain amount of nostalgia for it. Um, not tons and tons. I still enjoy playing it. Uh, it's quite exacting. Um, you have to you have to learn if you if you want to do it legit. But as I say, there are other ways to play if you just want to bash through it. But as we were sort of saying earlier, you might get more out of the game if you kind of set yourself some targets or something like that. You can always kind of go halfway. Once you've mastered one set of levels, save save status there and see if you can master the next set and so on, sort of train yourself that way. Um, but yeah, I understand a lot of people won't kind of have the, the impetus to go back to a game of this era if they've not sampled it before. If you do, like me, have some nostalgia and affection for the series and for Sega's arcade games of the 80s, there's an absolutely brilliant way to play this officially, on the on the Nintendo Switch for a few quid, Sega Ages Shinobi, um, worth getting and downloading and just playing for a bit, even just to enjoy the funky tunes and the sound of people being struck down by sharp spinning metal objects. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who shall we go to next? Let's say Rich. Yeah surprisingly fun um you know i had no relationship whatsoever with the arcade game but i was very impressed with how tight and responsive and playable and yeah it's just a really robust uh game and, and something that i'm delighted to have put behind is i think going back through into the uh master system game was a, a real blast from the past reminds us of being very very young and getting that one off the back box uh, a great catharsis for me uh could i recommend it uh yeah i suppose uh it's not the easiest game i think um you need to have uh an exceptional level of patience i think it's fairly accessible to get your hands on at the moment so why the hell not i think um the abiding thing i'll take from it is it's just this great sort of slice of of what the zeitgeist was like in the late 80s like the choice of color the the music it's it's just a, a really interesting little package thanks rich Mikhail, how about yourself yeah, kind of uh, sprinkled my opinion already throughout uh, the whole podcast, mm -hmm. so I'll try to summarize. Um, yes, Shinobi is uh, synonymous to me with uh, the arcade gaming scene of the later 1980s, and uh, it's very hard to separate it from that. And yeah, it's I have a lot of fondness and affinity for it, and I always enjoy just throwing down... You know, if I see a Shinobi cabinet, I'll usually walk towards it and uh, and play it. Uh, same with Rolling Thunder, uh, both of which are of a very similar ilk, as we previously discussed. Um, and as such, it's sometimes easy to forget about its unique qualities. That sort of, um, yeah, mentally taxing, um, strategic action where, uh, yeah, encounter design is uh is really the focus and uh, a pretty cleverly designed game at that with with its uh later pretty unfair difficulty spikes of course but up until that point it plays like a very well 
thought out game. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say give it a shot if you're into this sort of thing. Cheers, McHugh. Let's conclude with our guest, Ben. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't get wrong with this, really. Like, I don't I don't see how you'd come to play a game like this without having a certain set of expectations about mm-hmm. an eighties game based around ninjas that it doesn't tick all the boxes <laughs> for. You know, like it's a uh, martial arts games in the eighties were everywhere because there was still largely a massive mystery about martial arts in general. We're talking mm-hmm. about a pre-internet era. We're talking about a pre. Mixed martial arts era, you know what I mean? Where mm. where all these martial arts were seen working in kind of a, a practical kind of form. Famously, the first ever ninjutsu pra- practitioner to fight in the Ultimate Fighting Championship, a guy called Scott Morris, was resoundingly TKO'd after uh, 40 <laughs> seconds at UFC, wow. at UFC 2 in 1993. No, no Uzi yeah. then, I guess. No, he didn't have yeah. an Uzi or a smoke grenade or a bike chain. But um, <laughs> or or shuriken? No, none of them. No, he just came Going in. Kind of, kind of, uh, kind of at a disadvantage then. So. Yeah, school well, just, ninja era. Yeah, yeah, he came in and uh, pulled the guy into mount and then got elbowed uh, quite, <laughs> quite badly. Um, but yeah, like it's it's, it's funny with like uh, you look back at these different points before we know, obviously of of of, of everything that we know now. Like uh, the ninja games really were everywhere, you know. And and at this point yeah. in in time. There's only going to be more of them, you know. <laughs> like if you're looking back at this period, like you couldn't move for games with like with uh, where a lot of the time when ninjas were kind of the bad guys a lot of, a lot of in a lot of respects. Yeah, so it's kind of yeah. a cool thing to be able to play as a ninja yourself, you know, and yeah. kind of uh, yeah. And even in the game in the games like this where you were the ninja, the bad guys were still ninjas, you know. Yeah, exactly. Shoot exactly. versus other ninjas. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a popular kind of like trope in it, and uh, yeah, like this this for an arcade game of this era does everything you'd want you know it's like loads of fun it's kind of uh it gets as difficult as the amount of time that you want to put into it soundtrack's really good and it's just if you want to look if you want to play this for 10 minutes then treat yourself if you want to try and get a good clear then get a week or so together you know like like free free your diary up and uh, and, and and get involved like and do you know what like games like this are a big reason why i love doing a uh, big arcade kind of clears because mm. like it's incredible to pick apart the layers of a game like this when mm. you spend a lot of time with it, and it's incredible for you to see how finely woven a lot of times these things are. Like, is it is it? Do you know what I mean? Stupid eighties janky Sega fun. Yeah, it is. But is it a lot more than that if you want it to be? Yeah, it can be as well. You know, this this uh, ticks a lot of boxes for a lot of people. And uh, at some point, I will. Uh, at some point, I'll beat the arcade version of this. Um, I don't know when, but it's uh, <laughs> it's on the list. Not as well. In... Let us know. We'll uh, we'll we'll pimp the video. Yeah, naturally. for sure. Or maybe I could try and do it live. To be honest, maybe it could be one of those big live live streaming <sighs> yeah. projects like R Type was or Ghouls and Ghosts. Pressure's or, on. Or whatever. I could do that. It's what is it? Twenty minutes. Do you know what I mean? It ain't. Ah, it yes, ain't the old. There you the go. old metric of time, even it, though <laughs> that doesn't take every factor into account. But no, it ain't. But I sort goblins. of know what you mean. Yeah, I yeah. that's the thing though, isn't it, with a game like this? Like, you yeah. could quite easily treat yourself into thinking that, ah, oh, it could be all right, and it, it won't be. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. whatever whatever happens, you can't say that doing something like this isn't fun, you know, because it's just, I don't know, it's it's as simple as you need it to be, but as complicated in other places. So mm. yeah, if you've got the time, give it a give it a shot. You'll have a, yeah, or a shuriken or a bike chain or whatever kind of ninja apparel you've got with you. Um, you'll have, uh, yeah, you'll have a lot of fun delightfully put ben as always uh well you're here want to plug your your stuff oh thank you very much um yeah over on the youtube at uh one credit classics 
every week uh, I, I stream kind of twice a week uh, on Mondays the good folks on Patreon pick me generally good games apart from <laughs> most of the people here um, that I then <laughs> that I then play through in an amusing fashion on Thursdays we do um, various live uh, achievement runs uh, we just finished doing uh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo the Super Nintendo version um, maximum difficulty no rounds lost 1 million points we did that last the week before last that was a lot of fun um and yeah there's like basically now at this point there is uh like six years worth of clears do you know what i mean of games just like this to be honest like of of uh, of kind of games from the 80s and 90s done on one credit sometimes on one life there's like various tangents that we go we go on you know what i mean a lot of them are your fault like with the with metroid to be honest i've never even played that until listening to that show you can't blame me for minder no okay <laughs> I really can't, to be honest. But yeah, um, I'm over there on the yeah, I'm over there on One Credit Classics, number one credit classics on uh, on Twitter, and uh, and also with uh, my good buddy Michaela just happens to be here. We uh, oh, yeah. we have the uh, the Mighty Video Wizards podcast with uh, a couple of episodes in the uh, uh, hot on the uh, editing floor at the moment as they uh, as we look at the a few we look at a different um, month from a different year and look at like what was going on. Socially, culturally, arcades, music, or films, all that kind of stuff. We kind of take a lot of uh, digs at Bon Jovi. Yeah, it's good fun, man. <laughs> if you go to Google and check out Video Wizards podcast, you'll find us stuff and, there. And uh, don't, don't sleep on the, the, the Video Wizards Patreon as well for the uh, prime Gary Kitchen content. There was a Gary <laughs> Kitchen special. I honestly could only imagine how much you marked out when you, when you saw that show up in your feed. <laughs> oh, Gary. <laughs> Listener, you'll have to catch up with Video Wizards to find out what on earth they're going on about. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks as always. Uh, yeah, it just remains for me, in fact, Leon, to thank Mikhail and Rich and Ben and Jay, our editor, our correspondents, and of course, you for listening. Next time, can you believe it? Issue 541, 30 years on from Sonic Tuesday, we're covering Sonic the Hedgehog 2.